My name is Tony Smaniato from Studley, and I'm a co-chair of the Programs Committee, along with Margie Kurkowski from Wright Harima, and Megan Marshall from Jones Lang LaSalle, who's out on maternity leave and expected back any day now. So we're uh, pleased to uh, present some programming for you today. Just a quick announcement, next month we're uh, uh, having a CRE, uh, Commercial Real Estate Technology Program. We call it CRE Tech, the good, the bad, and it's trendy. Uh, Simon Davis with Big Center will host a panel of end users to discuss pros and cons of integrated workplace management systems. So please come out for that. And in April, we're gonna do something new. We're gonna run a, uh, not on the same day, but we're gonna run a breakfast program and our typical luncheon program. And we are gonna focus on the migration of tenants to the CBD at our luncheon. And then in the suburbs, we'll be focusing on is the suburban campus dead or alive? So those of you who, uh, who are out uh, in the burbs will be holding this up uh, in the north suburbs, right? Uh, so watch for those announcements. So uh, continue to monitor the website for our programming. Give us all the input you'd like. Uh, we're always looking for new new ideas. Um, we look forward to bringing you the, the, the best in class topics. So thanks again for coming. We have a great turnout today. A lot of people, welcome back. Uh, we haven't seen some of you for a while. We've got a great panel lined up. I could tell by the response. We had over 150 people respond to lunch today. Don't forget today's uh, program is being podcast and posted to the website. Uh, my understanding is we've been having a lot of traffic uh, to our podcast, so spread the word because people are uh, digging in and listening if they can't make our lunches. Don't forget if you're an MCR, sign up at the front, get your credits, and we encourage feedback at the end as always. So uh, today I'd like to give a special thank you to Jennifer Fitzgerald for helping us uh, set up this great panel. Today, and I can tell again by the turnout, uh, a lot of people are interested in what World Business Chicago has to say. So joining us today from WBC are two gentlemen that we've uh, gotten to know a little bit over the last few weeks, and especially today at lunch. I'd like to welcome up to the stage a couple of great guys. Dennis Vicarelli from World Business Chicago, Managing Director. Um, and also Mr. Eric Olson, who uh, was really the architect, or one of the architects as Deputy Director for WC for the um, uh, plan for economic growth and jobs. So I want to welcome Dennis and Eric. Their bios are on your table. Please read them and enjoy uh, the presentation. Um, well, first off, let me just say thank you for the opportunity to be here today. Um, appreciate Dan and the board um, giving us this opportunity. I know when Jennifer and Tony and Marge contacted us and said, hey, you know, we'd like to have World Business Chicago come over and maybe talk about the economic plan and just some of the things that you're working on. Um, we were extremely excited. Um, as somebody who's worked in economic development for about 20 years, um, I appreciate what this room means, who, who's in the room, and, uh, and what you guys contribute to the overall economic development part, uh, process here. So I uh, view a lot of you as partners and had the chance to work with some of you in the past and uh, hope to work with some of you in the future. Um, what we're going to do here today is I'm just going to give a quick overview on World Business Chicago, uh, the organization, sort of kind of where things are for, for those of you who maybe aren't as familiar with us as some. Um, but the lion's share of the presentation is really going to fall on Eric. Eric's our deputy director, and he's the individual who's been working on the plan for economic growth and jobs. So we're going to let him talk about the plan in more detail. And then at the end, we can take questions um, on the plan itself or anything else uh, regarding World Business Chicago. So again, I'll just start off here with a quick, hopefully this, there we go. Just a quick overview of WBC. Um, World Business Chicago, we're probably, uh, what are we, about 13 years now, going on our 13th year of existence. Uh, Public-private economic development group. 
um, formed up by Mayor Daly originally. And the idea was that economic development was being done in a very traditional way, largely within City Hall, um, largely being handled by um, people in the Department of Planning and the Mayor's office. And he felt that there needed to be an entity that was outside of City Hall that could be a little bit more responsive and understanding of the needs of business, um, that could build on some, some of the research that had been done at the time, that had the flexibility to travel, um, and really kind of build a longer term sort of a relationship with the business community, one that really didn't exist at that time with the existing staff. And I was one of the existing staff within City Hall, so um, you know, I, I say that in all honesty. That was, you know, City Hall was speaking a much different language than the private sector in those days. So uh, formed up, um, really three functions have been kind of the core of the organization. It's, it's been business attraction and development. So we have a group of folks that will work with individuals in this room, consultants, site selectors, real estate entities, um, to uh, help with everything from site selection, incentives negotiation, socioeconomic data, you name it, um, pretty much what every economic development firm does. Um, in addition to that, we have a very strong research capacity. Um, this was something that really didn't exist for a long time in Chicago. Uh, when World Business was formed, I don't think anybody really even understood what the economy was about. Uh, a lot of people, manufacturing's dead, the future is going to be the service sector. Um, there were all these debates out there about what the, what the economy was going to be, what it was. Um, so we quickly formed up a research unit to really kind of establish some realities and really develop an understanding of what was happening in the Chicago economy. And that continues to be a major function of ours. Um, and then the kind of the third area is, is there's a, a marketing sort of promotional piece. I mean, we will promote the Chicago economy as a location for businesses throughout the region, throughout the, the, the North American continent, and, and increasingly on a global scale. So probably no real surprises there as an economic development group, what we do. Um, under Mayor Emanuel, when he took over, he really sort of broadened uh, what, what the scope was going to be for World Business Chicago. And there's been a couple additional initiatives that we've taken on. Um, one of them has been the plan for economic growth and jobs, which is a very big initiative, something that's kind of a new function or new uh, focus for our organization. And again, I'll let Eric talk a little bit more. Um, we've also, we're a lot more international than we used to be. Um, we were coordinators on the NATO event last year. Uh, the Sister Cities organization, which was largely a cultural kind of organization that worked on behalf of the city. Um, is something that we've taken on now and are turning that into more of an economic development function, more of an international business attraction uh, initiative. Uh, and we're also looking at some ways to kind of enhance uh, trade um, and ways that we can help local companies uh, enhance their trade opportunities abroad. So, so we're, all, we're, we're in a real exciting phase uh, under the new mayor. He doesn't really uh, put any limits on us or where we can go. Uh, our board has recently expanded. Uh, when I first started with World Business Chicago, it was 20. We're, I've almost lost count. This is embarrassing. I think we're up to about 65 now, uh, board members. So it's a much bigger organization. Um, our board members are much more involved, I think, these days than they used to be. Um, so, uh, you know, that's another change that the mayor has brought about. So uh, it's really been exciting. Um, I know uh, some of you may have seen our current president, uh, we'll be stepping down here shortly after about five years of service. And uh, I've already had a couple of people ask me who's going to be the replacement. I don't know. Um, but there is a, a group of our board that has formed up a search committee, and we've got a, a consultant on board. And they're conducting a national search to find the best and brightest person they can to, to help lead uh, economic development here in Chicago. So 
That's a quick overview. I can answer questions later, but at this point, I'm going to turn it over to Eric. So. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Dennis. <laughs> Man, so you had so many slides you didn't go over. You just, you know, just blew right through it. I know. It's... <laughs> All right. Uh, well, thanks everybody for having us, um, and you know, always excited to get a chance to talk to a group like this about what we're doing with the plan. Um, so as you can see, I mean, I, I'll try not to like sort of read these slides down to you guys, but essentially, uh, as Dennis said, the, when the mayor came into office, he basically looked at WBC and said, I really like the work you guys do, and I think you could probably do a lot more and expand the role of what you guys are doing. Uh, and one of those things he thought that WBC would be a great uh, house for is a plan for economic growth and jobs that uh, they and the mayor's office could then use as essentially a set of North Stars to guide uh, what the mayor's office would do in terms of economic development, growth, and job creation. And so what happened was, um, and as you can see, there's some dates up here and so on, um, but at, what happened really was, um, at that point, WBC, along with McKinsey, the Brookings Institute, RW Ventures, Metropolis Strategies, and a number of other stakeholders got together and said, you know, let's, let's write this plan. What should the plan be? Um, and then we, there were some core, um, I think core sort of factors of the plan. Uh, we wanted it to be an inclusive process and still do. It's very fact-based and data-driven, so we really wanted to take a hard look at where we are as a city, what the last 10 years had looked like, so we could really choose where to focus our efforts. Um, <clears throat> benefit to all, all sections of society. You know, I always kind of look at it and say, we. We really can't say, I think, in 10 years that we're going to continue to be a world-class city unless we're really connecting into all the neighborhoods and really pulling everybody into the broader economy here. So we really think a lot about that. Um, so the mayor likes to say that the plan is Chicago-focused and looks outward. Um, so I can give you a tactical example of what that might mean because it's kind of, you know, sometimes you're like, what does that mean? Um, so for us, if we were going to do something with a physical location as part of the initiative, we would like to have that physical location in Chicago, but we would like that to benefit essentially the 14-county region from sort of southern Wisconsin all the way through northern Indiana. So that's really kind of the area we look to affect. Um, and then the last part, which is kind of why I came on board, is this living, breathing strategy, which I think initially was thought of as, let's have a document that continues to get updated and we continue to refresh it and the mayor kind of refers to it. But then that evolved into, let's actually put a team of people together who do nothing but get, get up every day, look at our strategies, design initiatives that further those strategies and then get them out there. So we're very, like essentially a team of entrepreneurs. Um, that's actually my prior life as a software entrepreneur for a number of years. Um, and so that's why I got excited about this, doing something civic, but also using that entrepreneurial background. And so we'll talk a little bit about the strategies in a second. There are a number of things happening under each of these strategies, and there are some initiatives that we'll list, which you, know, you guys can ask me about, and I can you know, kind of give you a little bit of background on. So uh, right now, the way we've organized the plan, which I think is helpful to understand, um, is we basically have uh, a number of co-chairs, um, primarily Michael Sachs and Glenn Tilton, um, who my team uh, interacts with every day, and they really try to help us push, you know, push us to be, um, you know, basically get things done faster. So, <laughs> um, and then uh, so, so Steve Koch uh, is also our sort of ex officio from the mayor, so we relays with him quite a bit. Uh, we have a large steering committee. This is actually the original steering committee that's been broadened a little bit um, to include basically the. For each of our 10 strategies, there are usually one to three strategy leaders, and they have all joined the broader steering committee, uh, which meets every couple of months to really check on progress and how we're moving things forward. Um, and it's a great group who can also help us get things done, which is really important. 
And again, as I mentioned, the professional leadership, I, I talked about them a little bit earlier. Um, so I know here we kind of say like there's five goals. I can tell you that that's true, but I, every day I really get up and I'm like laser focused on GRP and jobs. That is like all I talk about. Dennis can, anytime he says, hey, we should do this, I say, does it drive GRP and job growth? Um, so that's what really what we focus on and we really try to keep ourselves to, whenever we look at an initiative, really understanding is it gonna, drive, is it gonna make a big difference in those first two numbers. Um, this is so, this was a kind of the original framework. I'm not gonna go into this too, too much detail. Um, you can take a look at it. But basically this, these were kind of how the market levers were visualized in terms of how we came up with the strategies. But what I really wanna get into is some of the strategies because I think these are you know, what we're actively working on every day. Um, so the first strategy is around advanced manufacturing. We've got a couple of initiatives in there. We, you know, the data would show, and I think it's probably no surprise to everybody that we continue to be a manufacturing hub. Uh, even though it seems like a lot of manufacturing has gone away, we still have about 11,000 small and medium manufacturers uh, in the Chicagoland area, the 14-county region, about 20,000 in the state of Illinois. Um, so there's still a lot. We still do a lot with that. Um, so we're looking at how, how can we allow our manufacturers to move up market, do precision manufacturing, so on and so forth. Um, number two is really sort of increasing Chicago's attractiveness as a business center. That is really, I mean, in, in, all, in essence, really, that's WBC running what they do and doing it, continuing to do it, um, and continuing to kind of grow their purview there. Um, become a competitive hub for transportation and logistics. So again, no surprise, that's sort of a core industry. It's been historically a core industry, so we want to say how do we continue to lead the world in that area. Um, tourism is another key strategy. We work very closely with Choose Chicago uh, on that strategy to, and continue to push things forward there. Um, exports, that's a big one at the federal level, as is manufacturing. Uh, the mayor here, I think, also said he wanted to double exports. Is that the right number, before I quote him? <laughs> but uh, so we're working on that. Um, we're trying to think about it specifically for SMEs, uh, small and medium enterprises, uh, given that the larger companies tend to have the resources to kind of work through the export process, whereas the SMEs um, need a little bit more help. And so we're thinking about how, we, how can we help them. <clears throat> Uh, number six, uh, we're really looking at the workforce development process. In particular, we're looking at Chicago right now, but with the idea that we could learn some things that we could then broaden out to the 14-county region eventually. Um, number seven is kind of like my original life uh, in this city, which is about innovation and entrepreneurship. <clears throat> that one encompasses things like 1871, which a lot of you guys know about, which, which WBC had an instrumental role in getting together. <clears throat> and uh, there'll be many other, of other initiatives like that. And uh, what's unique about this one is it's got the largest strategy team. It's like 60 people, uh, which could be a little unwieldy, but we've kind of broken them down into three sectors. So when we think about strategy seven, we think about three key sectors. We think about clean tech, we think about bioscience, and we think about web and mobile. Um, so number eight, uh, looking at the infrastructure uh, side of Chicago, um, the Infrastructure Trust was aligned uh, aligned initiative to this plan, and we continue to work with them to think about what infrastructure needs to happen here. <clears throat> uh, developing and deploying neighborhood assets ties to what I had mentioned earlier. That was the idea that we really need to connect everybody <clears throat> in this city to the economy. And so that's where we kind of look at those types of initiatives. <clears throat> and then last but not least, certainly creating an environment here that is friendly to business. And so we tend to work closely with the mayor's innovation delivery team, which was part of a Bloomberg uh, grant, and you know they've done things like um, limit the number of business licenses in the city now. I think it's like something like 60. It used to be 170. So we're trying to make that a little bit better and easier for businesses to uh, 
to come here and work. <clears throat> so again, so some example initiatives, I'll just pick a couple out of here and give you guys a sense of it, but if there are other ones that you guys want to talk about, please ask questions. Um, so 1871, as I mentioned, I'll talk about that. I've got a lot of background, and I also heard um, that that was kind of a topic of interest. So let's touch on that for a little bit. So I think 1871 is an interesting story. Um, I think outside of the tech community, a lot of people think this is like sort of the overnight thing where we had 1871, and now there's 200 entrepreneurs working in there, and this is like a big deal. Uh, I can tell you, I moved to Chicago eight years ago, and there was like no tech scene, and I was uh, working on building a software startup here. Um, so it's been a long road, uh, and what's great about 1871 is it's really sort of the, it's really just sort of the, I guess, you know, I don't know, a little bit more kindling on the fire, so to speak. Um, it's been eight years in the making, and now that we've got sort of a tech community that's really burgeoning, it was important to give it a place. Um, and really what we were thinking about, I think, broadly in the tech community and uh, also around 1871 is that there are three things we kind of need to do. One is have space for entrepreneurs, which obviously 1871 is directly involved with, um, where it's inexpensive, they can meet other entrepreneurs, they can build their companies. Uh, number two is talent. Um, getting that software development talent, other technical talent to want to hang out in Chicago, not go to Silicon Valley, um, which is a tough pull, um, was a pull for me. Um, but I also think that you know we've, we've done some initiatives around there that we're continuing to work on, one of which was along with the mayor, we went down to the University of Illinois. I know it's like a novel idea, but they have like one of the best computer science programs in the entire world, and um, we just don't get down there enough. Uh, people from Silicon Valley fly out to recruit these guys, and we don't go down there. So we're starting to change that. We're getting, we brought 39 companies down there, startups all the way to big companies like Motorola um, to come say, hey, this is what's happening in Chicago. You should consider Chicago as a home for you after uh, graduation. And on top of that, there are engineers, I think, 50 to 60% of the engineering students at U of I actually grew up in the Chicagoland area, and only about 20 to 25% of those guys come back to the Chicagoland area, so that was kind of a, it's a brain drain we're trying to reverse here. Um, and then the third pillar of 1871, which we're, we're starting to really kind of make inroads to now, is connecting our large companies with our startup community. Uh, a lot of companies now, and it's sort of been a trend, I think, in a lot of the management consulting literature and all this stuff, is that companies are looking externally now for a lot more of their innovation. Uh, I think you can see it most starkly in pharmaceuticals. A lot of those guys don't do as much in-house in R&D anymore, and they're starting to look for small startups to, to be that pipeline for them. Um, and we want to start, start getting that going in our digital community, 1871, but also across clean tech and bioscience. So that was really 1871. That is a good example, I think, of an initiative that was, and I'll put it this way, aligned with the plan. So we had some role in it at WBC. This was before we had a plan execution team on the ground, but it was the idea was let's align this with the plan for economic growth and jobs, uh, such that you know the more things that get aligned with this plan, the more sort of multiplier we get on all of our investment. Um, and you know some of the other things we've been working on, uh, you know, skills for Chicagoland's future is another one that was again an aligned. Uh, with the plan type of an initiative. It came on before my team started in August. And that one was really looking at the broad workforce uh, strategy and sort of saying, okay, what we hear from employers is they don't know who they should call or who they should talk to uh, about finding the right employment for their firms. And so maybe it makes sense to have a lightweight intermediary who really knows and understands the employer's problem and then can also really understand the workforce space and make those connections. Um, so was, that gives you a flavor of some of the aligned things that, uh, that we've done. Given that our team's sort of spooled up, I think, at the, you know, really at the end of August, um, you'll see a lot coming from us directly uh, over the next um, 10 to 12 months. Uh, we've got, I think, 
14 initiatives we're working on right now in our small team, uh, which is about five people right now, so it's a lot. Um, I think we were joking the other day that we've basically, the plan sort of taken on like every economic development topic possible with five people. Uh, true. Uh, so that's why we really leverage our, our strategy teams and also um, our fellows program. So we have our inaugural class of fellows. Um, that's when companies basically loan us somebody for about three to six months to work on an initiative. Uh, so we just started that three weeks ago, had our, have our first class in for the first three to four months. It's uh, six individuals from a number of big companies that are helping us really push these initiatives. So any of you, any of your companies, uh, I will make the pitch right now and say uh, for the next class, that's, uh, we're spooling up applications in I think a couple of weeks. So if there are some rising stars in your organization and you want to give them a chance to do think something really important, uh, interact with a lot of prominent Chicagoans and do something for the civic side, um, let me know. Uh, let's see. Yeah, see, there are a lot of example initiatives again. Um, so again, uh, I talked a little bit about this already. This is kind of how we're implementing the plan. It was a novel idea not to just put this on a shelf and actually put a team behind it. So uh, again, I just sort of described that we have our strategy teams. We meet regularly. We also then break those into small working groups to work on particular initiatives. And again, we have about 14 initiatives in the hopper right now. Uh, the earliest ones will probably hit around March timeframe, and um, we'll go from there. And uh, that pretty much wraps up the overview of the plan, how we're structured, how we kind of think about things, uh, a little bit of background on our 10 strategies that we look at. Um, and I, sh I guess I should have really mentioned that those 10 strategies, we sort of look at that and say that really like they cut across industries, uh, which is why we really didn't call out specific industries per se, like even manufacturing cuts across obviously a lot of industries. So uh, we feel like a lot of industries can play across a number of these strategies. So that said, I will open it up to questions. Do you want to touch on more initiatives, actually? I could, I could touch yeah. on more initiatives if there are any like key ones. Are there any ones yeah. that anybody um, that you guys know of that were interested? Go back to the initiatives list? OK. Yeah. yeah. Touch on your favorites. Which ones? Your favorites. My favorites? What are the ones that, that, that get you excited? Well, so I've been spending a lot of time manufacturing. So manufacturing, um, and we've been working with this gentleman right here quite a bit on that, that's his expertise. But um, so we've been trying to think through in the advanced manufacturing side, well, what does that mean and how can we help? Um, and so we looked at certainly a number of case studies about how other countries do things. Uh, the one that always comes up is Germany. Uh, Germany seems to have a thriving manufacturing sector. They don't, uh, it's not because they have low wage workers and all these things. So it's, everybody sort of looks at that and says, how, how do they do that? So one thing is, is cultural, and they certainly have a cultural piece to that that uh, is a little different here. But the other side of that is they actually work quite a bit on applied research and development, and how do you drive that into your small and medium manufacturers? We haven't done as much of that here. I think generally um, it's, it's referred to in the United States as the valley of death, which is the, basically the valley between university research and your companies who can actually commercialize things, and things sort of die in there. And so uh, Germany's done a good job of sort of eliminating that valley of death, and so we thought, you know, what can we do there? So if any of you guys watch the State of the Union, uh, one of the things that at the federal level they've been working on is this idea of the National Network for Manufacturing Innovation, or NNMI. And so what that was originally envisioned to be is a network of 15 institutes across the country that will focus on specific technology areas and link together to kind of serve or help work with each other on sort of overlapping issues. And then those institutes would serve both large and small and medium manufacturers to get technologies commercialized into new products and services and so on. So 
the original pilot uh, NNMI Institute went into Ohio in October. Uh, this focused on additive manufacturing, uh, otherwise known as 3D printing. And they've started to kind of feel out what, how's that, how that's been working. And now they're, the president basically said in the State of the Union, we're going to do three more of these this year. Uh, so we've been in the background for the last three months uh, already pulling our universities together uh, to discuss what our technology strengths are and where we could really serve the manufacturing industry. So we've, we've had them together and now we've also had a number of roundtables with industry participants in various areas where we think we have technology strengths. And so we're starting to move down the road of then saying, you know, wh what, how could we shape up basically a, a proposal for this NNMI idea when and if it comes down from the federal government. So that's something we've been doing behind the scenes, um, trying to get ahead of that. And we really think it would make a huge difference for our manufacturing base here, uh, which I alluded to earlier, is actually quite large. So there's that one. But however, in the meantime, this will put my practical hat on. So in the meantime, small and medium manufacturers will tell you they can't find the right workforce and they have trouble with basic processes, so material handling and so on and so forth. Um, so what we were, we're looking, on, uh, looking at, I guess, while the NNMI stuff sorts itself out in the federal side is how can we help with those two problems? Uh, what we saw, I think, originally with the workforce side of that is the workforce uh, side, there's a lot of good things happening, but they just tended to be pretty fragmented. They're, you know, I think we tallied up over 60 workforce development programs for manufacturers. So we thought, you know, similarly to Skills for Chicagoland's Future, if we had people who really understood manufacturing, just a few people could sit in the middle of the, of the workflow between manufacturers and these 60-plus training providers uh, and then increase, you know, the ability for companies to then have one point to call and then they can get their trained workforce. Uh, it would also help us understand who's good at what and what the quality concerns would be. Um, and it also help us be demand driven toward the manufacturers. So we've thought through that side of it and we're trying to shape up an initiative that would help there, uh, along with a strategy team of about 10 uh, leaders in the manufacturing space here in Chicago. Uh, on the other side of that, there's the process improvement work. And it was a similar story. There are a lot of people in Chicago that do consulting for small and medium businesses uh, to help, their, help them with their process improvement. But a lot of manufacturers will just tell you, well, I'm not, I, I know it's out there, I just don't know who to call. Um, so we were in that kind of same boat where we said, okay, maybe we can have one actual place uh, with a few people who can really case manage these manufacturers and be the one-stop shop for them to get into the workforce system and to uh, get into the process improvement system, which would make a big impact much sooner and get us on the road to doing something bigger around the research and development arm, which we're kind of working on in parallel. So that's kind of how, to date, we've thought of our manufacturing strategy, uh, which gives, I think gives you a flavor about how we think of, of you know, many other things in our, in our portfolio. Um, you know, one more thing I'll touch on, because I always think people love the innovation and entrepreneurship stuff. I do. Uh, it's a lot of fun to talk about. Uh, we talked a little bit about 1871. Well, one of the things we're working on is that third pillar, which is how do you connect the small businesses to the larger businesses in Chicago? What does that look like? Um, I think, you know, originally we kind of like had this very big vision, which we I think we still could get to down the road, which was to do something akin to an X Prize. Um, so for those not familiar with the X Prize, it is a foundation uh, where they basically have, they work with companies or on specific technology problems um, related to making more fuel efficient cars. Right now there's a progressive X Prize working on that. 
and so on. And what they do is they curate these challenges where teams and entrepreneurs and everybody can come together and try to create a more fuel efficient car and then they have to hit certain sort of stages along the way. And then eventually they win a multi-million dollar prize for executing the specifications that were set out at the beginning of the challenge. Um, we've actually seen some of our large companies in this area do that on their own. So Mondelez, which is the spinoff uh, from Kraft, has done that and they've kind of brought in a lot of mobile developers and other interesting digital technologies uh, to the table and had them do a challenge type idea with a lot of their brands. Um, so we saw that and we thought, you know, maybe we could do this at a bigger scale. Maybe we should get a lot more of our large companies to say, you know, I have this problem or this challenge. I'm willing to put up X dollars for companies to, companies or, you know, university folks or whoever to try to solve it. And then, you know, we can award the prize down the road when the problem is solved and the company gets a solution. Um, so we sort of pared that back a little bit because we kind of went to market with that and the companies were like, that's really great, but we need to kind of get some wins on the board before I can put a million bucks up for a prize. Fair enough. Uh, so we were trying to take it down another notch and say, okay, what can we do in the, in the meantime to get these sort of quick wins or some points on the board that would be useful to large companies and entrepreneurs? And so we're kind of shaping up an initiative right now that would look something like uh, we, we or somebody would go and understand the problems that this company has, you know, technology-based problems. Then uh, once we've really internalized that, we can go out to the startup community and we can find the top three to five startups that can help them solve those problems and we can get those guys in a room so they can hear the startup's pitch and then decide who, if, if and who they want to work with. Um, it seems like a very basic thing. It's something that doesn't happen today. Um, what happens today is these companies really want to engage startups and they say, great, there's 200 companies in 1871. Like, I don't know what to do now. Like, where do I start? Um, and so we're trying to help give them that where do you start by curating a little bit. So that's, hopefully that gives you guys a flavor of some of the things we're working on. I could talk about more in development stuff, although I think some of it I don't, you know, don't want to get too far ahead of the mayor's office on some of this stuff, so I'll, I'll withhold that. Some regional issues. Um, think, I'm thinking in particular of small manufacturing firms, which you've addressed, but yeah. what's going on that's good, I guess, with the current border wars, you know, with Indiana and Michigan sneaking into our suburbs and taking our 100,000, 50,000 foot small manufacturers? That's a great question. I don't know if you, you probably maybe know a little bit more about this than I do, but. Uh, E-tip, you know, this state kind of went empty cupboards on E-tip and now you know, the training training dollars, they've come back. If, you know, if yeah. you got some just big thoughts on that. Yeah, yeah. Appreciate um, you sharing. Sure, sure. We're, um, you know, it's interesting um, having worked for the state of Illinois and uh, also worked at the municipal level. Um, it's probably you know, the reality isn't as bad as the perception. You know, I mean, companies aren't just necessarily fleeing en masse over the borders like, like people would think. There's certainly parts in the metropolitan area that are more susceptible. You know, I don't know, you know, certainly in the central business district, I mean, people are in the central business district or people are locating manufacturing operations in the city of Chicago. Um, and there's a recognition right there that, you know, this isn't necessarily all about price point. Um, this isn't about cheap real estate. Um, there's human capital issues, there's transportation infrastructure issues and things like that. So, so you know, I, I, I make those decisions, I deal with, you know, some of the additional costs and some of the additional bureaucracies that go with a central city or, or you know, a proximity to a central business district. Um, you know, now when you do get out and kind of, the, you know, on the edges of the metro area, um, you know, all things equal, then you will see some of the incentives and some of that will really kind of come in and play. And that can, you know, flip, flip a decision. And, um, we, as a 501c3, um, are a little bit limited in how much formal political lobbying we can do. 
Um, so we're not necessarily, um, that said, we talk to hundreds of companies in the course of a year. And so we've got some really good anecdotal experiences and we've got, we've heard the frustrations and, and, and things like that. So we do serve them up in more of a staff capacity. Um, I meet weekly with my counterparts in both the mayor's office and I also meet with my counterparts in the state uh, government in the Department of Commerce where I used to work. And so we are, we are giving them sort of the reality checks. Um, we are letting them understand the consequences with things that, like ETIP funding and cuts that happen there. So um, probably not, you know, not like a chamber of commerce where you would necessarily see us down in Springfield in front of a, a formal body or committee, um, but we're doing it at a staff to staff level. So um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a consideration. Um, it's probably not you know, I'd hate to go, I mean, I've, I've been involved in the border wars, I'd hate, to, I'd hate to spend too much time and resource focused on, on your competition, you know. Uh, I'd rather spend that energy focusing on building the strengths that we have, working on the advantage that we have. Um, you're not gonna see, certainly, World Business Chicago engaged in the billboards in southern Wisconsin. You're not going to see, you know, us taking the ad space out that you see some others in, in the real estate magazines and things like that. I mean. You know, I, I don't think that really makes, makes a difference. Um, you know, we're, we try to be a little bit more sophisticated. Um, and this is where the mayor's been a really, really huge ally. Not that Mayor Daly wasn't, but certainly, you know, Mayor Emanuel is willing to pick up the phone and call any CEO directly, and um, as well as um, some of his key staff people. And our board are increasingly playing that role. So, so, you know, we're not engaged in the trade shows and the marketing, but we are really trying to utilize our board members who are very successful CEOs who operate within a certain community, who have inside information, and I don't mean that in the legal sort of sense. <laughs> you know, but, but, but let's be honest, they sit on other boards, they have friends from business school, they have friends from past, you know, uh, employment experiences. And so they have a better pulse on kind of when, what's going on and what the frustrations are and who's looking to make decisions to relocate. So we try and use that intelligence early on and address issues before they become full-blown. Because by the time you're reading about this in the newspaper, the decision was probably already made um, you know, a year before you know, anything publicly was announced. And you guys know this better than I do, quite frankly. So, so we, are, we, are, we are concerned with it. We're, we're not gonna, but we're, we're trying to be a, sort of take a more strategic, smarter approach to addressing sort of the retention and the attraction issue than just the full-blown sort of attacks that you, know, you see. Yeah, Governor Texas was doing, you know, was all over last week for, for Poach in California. I'm not sure really how many jobs he's going to get out of that. I mean, that was more of a political maneuver than probably a real actual economic development maneuver. Um, but that said, there may be some smart things he can do as a follow-up that will make a difference. So long answer, short question. Um, any other additional questions that you guys want to ask on, on elements of the plan or World Business Chicago? I know, um, you know one of the things, some of the trends that we're seeing, and I think those would mirror some of the things that you guys are seeing as well in terms of you know, what companies are interested in what part of the metro area. Um, I know, Dan, is that something you'd want me to, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, um, I, I think we're seeing a lot of the same things that you guys are seeing. Um, there has been this nice interest uh, sort of in the central business district, um, driven largely by uh, the need for human capital um, and human capital as it relates to kind of this 24 seven environment. Um, so certainly a lot of tech companies and a lot of people that are kind of looking for the best and brightest and the youngest uh, recent graduates, you know, have realized that, you know, there's a certain lifestyle that that, 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 that generation commands and, and, you know, we can maybe better meet that lifestyle and provide that lifestyle as something located in the central business district. So, so you know, we are seeing that. Um, you know, that said, 
Um, there's still some realities in the city. Um, I meet with companies all the time. There are still companies that, you know, we're looking for a suburban situation. You know, the campus, you know, it's so interesting, you know, based on sort of what your lineup is for future meetings, because these, the, these are the things that we're dealing with every day. I mean, is the campus dead? Is the suburban campus dead? Um, no, not necessarily. I mean, I do meet with companies. I mean, there, there's some movement within the metro area, but when companies are still coming to the area, from outside the region, um, and they approach Chicago as a region, not as a central business district versus a suburban node. Um, you know, there's still a lot of interest in the suburban locations. Um, there are companies that just, you know, I'll say companies that are coming from smaller markets. Um, there is a certain intimidation that a central business district kind of has. Um, you know, depending on your mix of workforce, I mean, there are people who have an older workforce. Um, and they appreciate that older workforce and there's a quality and a certain lifestyle that these people demand that is met better in the suburbs than it is in the city. So, so you know, there's, a, there's kind of a, you know, I will say having worked in both the suburbs and the city and working in the city, it is nice to see a renewed interest in the downtown, a new, renewed interest in public transportation and things like that. But, um, you know, in my opinion, you know, we're still dealing with a lot of companies that are interested in suburban locations. Um, you know, uh, we're dealing with a lot more international companies than we ever did. I do think that Chicago has kind of emerged, and I don't want to, I don't want to overemphasize that, but I do think that Chicago is, is, is a known entity on the, on the global stage more so than ever. Um, you can attribute that to a president of the United States, you know, who you know, claims Chicago is home, whatever. Um, you know, I won't go into that. I will say that more and more international companies are looking at Chicago. I think that they see Chicago um, as an opportunity to land in the North American market. Um, a lot of companies, particularly Western European companies, um, are in a stagnant market. Western Europe is not really doing all that well these days. And certainly, in, even in parts of Asia, you know, things have slowed down, and especially in Japan. So I think there's a lot of companies in those countries that are looking for the North American market as their next growth opportunity. And when they take a look at the North American market, you know, it used to be I can look at, uh, you know, if I'm a European company, I'll probably enter the market through the East Coast. If I'm a, if I'm a Japanese company, I'll come in through the West Coast. Um, I don't think that's the case anymore. I think the way air routes are established, I think O'Hare and Midway, you know, have kind of reached those geographies. Um, I think a lot of companies have come to the realization I can do one centrally located facility in Chicago. Um, as opposed to having two coastal facilities, it's a heck of a lot easier. Um, I think there's an appreciation for Chicago as a global center. I mean, a lot of times we're pitching the consulate core. Um, I don't, you know, um, how, you know, what an international city it really is. Certainly things like NATO and that, that's the reason why we jump on some of those things. You know, the, the immediate cost-benefit analysis may not make sense, but it's really a longer-term kind of marketing message that you're giving to the international community is why you do some of those events. Um, so. Um, now, I will say a lot of times the international uh, communities, um, depending on sectors, uh, aren't always as thrilled with a central North American style central business district. I mean, they are and they aren't. It depends. And as you get more into the R&D and you get more into the manufacturing sectors, there's even less excitement over central, more of the traditional older North American central city. Um, it's kind of, um, boy, it's, it's humbling sometimes, but you know, I've, I've, I've dealt with companies from China and you know, to have them just criticize your building stock and, and your obsolescence in terms of your manufacturing facilities. And um, you know, we, uh, we really need a more suburban setting. We're not really interested in getting too adaptive reuse or creative or working in these congested situations. And you know, 
it makes you it makes you you know makes you realize that you know much of the rest of the world um, has redeveloped its its building stock in some sectors and. And um, you know, not everybody's always excited, particularly in the international world, excited about the older opportunity to use this old loft, you know, this old loft with these timbers. That's, that doesn't go for everybody. So, so you know, um, in that respect, I, I've seen you know more of the internationals have a lot of interest, you know, in, in sort of the suburban setting still, and aren't completely sold on the downtown locations always. But first of all. Um this was a really insightful presentation, and uh, it's a plan that's desperately needed, not just for the city of Chicago, but for the region. Um, what do you say to um, an industrial broker or an industrial realtor who represents a uh, startup manufacturing company or a logistic, logistics user who their, their broker is looking for a place for them, and they're looking at the city versus DuPage County? And it's a buck to two dollars and fifty cents a square foot difference in property taxes. How do you handle that? You know, this is um, you know I, this is kind of an issue that comes up a lot of times. Um, you know, as World Business Chicago, and I'm chaired by the mayor of the city of Chicago, um, I'm certainly obligated to give Chicago its opportunity um, as an option. Um, that said. Um, most of our board members are suburban entities, and we really do have um, a larger regional approach. Um, and, you know, when I sit down and do my assessment, um, you know, if it's just a better deal in a suburban setting, um, then so be it. You know, then that's where you should be. And, you know, in those cases, a lot of times we'll make the phone call. Um, if they approach us directly, we'll make the phone call out to our counterparts. You know, usually it's one of the county economic development folks and say, hey, look, here's a potential lead. Um, I mean, the reality is, is that we sell Chicago as a region, and that's how people look at Chicago. They look at it on the regional level. All our data, all our research is really done at a regional level. All our messaging is really a region. And so there are people that will come to us, and, you know, I'm not going to bait and switch them. And they're coming to us looking at a regional option. I'm not going to be like, just jam the city on you necessarily. Um, so, you know, we will get involved in helping with information um, on suburban deals. Um, usually at some point you do turn them over to the local uh, entity, usually the county, because they know that geography better. They know they have the more uh, insights. And, you know, Ed Sitter's here uh, from Commonwealth Edison. I'll acknowledge Ed, because Ed, Ed, Ed has spent the better part of the last couple of years, you know, uh, making sure that we and our you know, that we're working together as a region. Um, and there probably is a lot more cooperation at the regional level in terms of the economic development folks and their staffs than people realize. I mean, that, again, that's more for the political folks to kind of fight the battles back and forth. I want you in the region. You're gonna to contribute to the economy, you know. Sure, I'm probably gonna get more attaboys if it's directly downtown, given who my chairman is, but at the end of the day, um, I recognize the realities. There are certain clusters that locate in certain parts of the region, and it's a big, diverse region, and you know, and if I can help you locate, whether it be in the city or outside the city, you know, we'll do that. So, like, hopefully that answers kind of your question. Dennis, could we just see a, a show of hands uh, from our economic developers in the office, or in the uh, auditorium today? Wave them. You can do that too. Okay. Just curious about our representation. I have another question here from Gary in Hoffman Estates. You had 10 strategies. High-tech manufacturing was number one. Is that the top priority? Uh, that's a really good question. I mean, uh, I have been focusing on it quite a bit, I will say that, but, um, you know, there, it's interesting. They were really just sort of numbered that way. I'm not sure, I'm not sure we, I would say that they were always in priority order. Um, yeah. Although I do think that um, certainly when you look at the size of the manufacturing base that we do have and, and what a real driver it can be, um, and certainly now I think 
you know, more so now it's starting to kind of emerge that there is this research about how having that manufacturing base really helps you improve your innovation and all these other things, which, you know, I think makes a lot of sense. Um, we do look at it as something we got to figure out, and we have been spending, like, I think a lot of time on our team uh, on that one and working with the relevant parties. But I think we look at it and say, you know, it's... Uh, one thing that I, I, I always love about the sort of the economy, broadly speaking, but that also makes things tricky is it's a giant system where everything, you know, sort of influences everything else. And so that's why when we look at these 10 strategies, we think we got to do all of these at some level to really influence the whole. So, you know, if you do something really great for manufacturers, but you're not hitting that transportation and logistics piece of it, that's, you know, you're going to sort of, you're not going to really get the bang for your buck that you wanted on the manufacturing side, for example. So we got to figure, we just, we're very cognizant of trying to make sure these all interlink. Uh, hi, Dennis, I'm curious as you, you know, have commentary about, you know, what you're seeing internationally and, you know, what people are saying, how big is the crime issue? And, you know, piggybacking off that, what is the probability that sites like Robert Morris um, or Michael Reese Hospital or U.S. Steel, do those ever gentrify? And can you ever attract companies to those types of areas to rebuild the manufacturing renaissance there? Um, excellent question. Yeah, I mean, there are some just, you know, and I'll say, I mean, the perceptions um, when you're working with the international community are sometimes just so far outside of the realities. And I guess, you know, that's where, you know, World Business Chicago and, you know, as well as, you know, the other economic developers here in the room, you know, that's where you can make a difference, you know, not using incentives, but just really kind of, you know, just really presenting the facts in a concise, clear fashion. Um, as part of our research, I, it's, it's, it's funny, for every stat I have on workforce and, and that, I've probably got three times the number of stats on everything from number of tornadoes because the Japanese are very, very nervous about tornadoes taking out facilities, I've discovered, um, to crime rates. Um, you know, one of the issues I've been dealing on the manufacturing front um, is um, unionization, you know, and it, it just stuns me that uh, German and Chinese companies in the manufacturing sector are, you know, very, 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 very nervous of Chicago um, because there's this perception that 80% of the workforce are these angry, unionized, you know, individuals um, who will burn your plant down, you know, if they don't get their way. And it was so funny, and this, is a, and this is kind of a myth, really, that's been perpetuated a lot by some of our competitors in the southern part of the United States. And it was so funny, I was working with a, a German company, a chemical company, uh, and uh, they were looking at Houston, and they were, they were really liking Chicago, um, but they were nervous about unionization. And, you know, so I called over to, you know, of all people, our friends at the AFL-CIO and said, can I, get, can I see unionization rates in this industry for the, you know, and, you know, the petrochemical industry in, in Houston is very, very organized. <laughs> I mean, much higher rate than Chicago, you know, and so sometimes, you know, so I'm not, I'm not saying, you know, you know, you know, so sometimes it's just addressing like, you know, this is the real crime rate in this area. This is really what you see. Um, this is really the real unionization rate, you know. Um, this is how many tornadoes actually rip through, you know, Chicago manufacturing centers, um, you know, whatever it may be. Um, so, you know, there's a lot that our research folks do that we sit around and laugh about, but believe it or not, it makes a huge difference, you know, when you're dealing with the international community, because just like we have our myths and our, you know, our predispositions when we're looking at overseas markets, you know, they have the same. So, um, yeah, the crime's an issue. And, um, you know, the best thing you can do a lot of cases is, and a lot of times we'll partner with our consulate, 
because um, we have a great consulate core here, and we have most of the major consulates. Uh, most of the major consulate uh, countries have a consul or a consul general here, or somebody an honorary consul, and they've really become a huge partner for us. So a lot of times, working through them, we'll deliver sort of some of these some of these realities and that. And then at the end of the day, it's always about just getting somebody in Chicago. I mean, you know, once you get a chance to walk around the loop and you realize that it isn't, you know, it isn't, you know, Capone and, and it isn't, you know, and, and it's not out of control Chicago and it's not a big ugly rust belt and, and you know, it's actually a pretty attractive city and, and there's certainly some problems in areas, but, you know, um, but there's plenty of great things going on here. You know, you can usually overcome that, but yeah, you got to work it. You do have to work it. I, absolutely. I've, I've, heard some good, a big one. I've heard some good things from manufacturers about advanced skills training and advanced manufacturing training that I um, mean you have it up as one of your points of city colleges daily college right have some fantastic new programs to help you know retrain older people and to bring younger people into the tech and manufacturing side versus you know an LAS degree at poli site at U of I like my son but anyway could you comment a little bit about what you're doing with the colleges and what they've yeah what sure so um, so that sort of resides in our workforce strategy of course and um, you know, the folks we have sitting around the table are the City Colleges, um, you know, Skills for Chicagoland's Future, the Workforce Board. Um, I, I don't want to forget somebody, but I am right now. <laughs> it's a no. I know, there's a lot of so people. Many. Oh, yes, uh, <laughs> CPS, of course, Technical Education. So, um, and so in that group, I mean, one of the things that we've really talked a lot about as a strategy team is, is sort of, it's what's been manifested, I think, publicly on the, on the community college side, which is this alignment to key industries. Um, so I think in the past, like, th that really hadn't happened, and now we're saying, okay, well, there's probably like six or seven key industries where uh, Chicago has a strength now, but, uh, you know, will have continuing and bigger strength later that we really should be training the workforce for. Um, and, you know, one of those being manufacturing, another being transportation and logistics, hospitality, so on and so forth, right? Um, so what I think has been really exciting in that space is that sort of rationalization around let's focus, let's get some focus here. Um, and, and all those players have been extremely uh, great in terms of, of doing that and getting out there and executing it. And so we're trying to continue to help them with that um, to, you know, pare down and focus on what programs they offer. Um, so I think that the point you make is a good one, which is not only will this help our manufacturers, our transportation and logistics people, et cetera, uh, but certainly makes us a much more attractive place to bring a company. If you know that, you know, I can move my plant here and I can have 200 qualified workers pretty quickly, um, that's, that's a good thing. So we're, we're very cognizant about it. That's what we've done so far. And I think they'll, I don't want to get too far ahead of it, but there'll be more to come along those lines. Um, yes, this is actually a very interesting discussion, and I know obviously it's you know talking about economic growth. You know, one thing in terms you read about or hear in the media is that unfortunately a lot of things you do is sort of a zero-sum game because basically for the region there has been a lot of companies that move from the suburbs, and unfortunately there has definitely been. Um, it seems well noted that Chicago has definitely lagged, you know, economic growth compared to in employment compared to other metro cities. So I'm wondering what you do as a group, you know, working with the state, because we obviously have some big macro issues, you know, taxes, the debt rating, you know, bond ratings, um, things like that, that, you know, the pension crisis that don't ever seem to get resolved. But in, in my mind, if I'm a business owner, it's going to be the, you know, major overhang why I might not come to this state or city. So if you could address that. You want to address the attraction standpoint? I can address the rest of it. Yeah. I, I, can, I can, I'll start it off. I, so uh, I will, so absolutely, right? I mean, the pension crisis and everything are huge, huge issues. 
Um, I will say, just broadly speaking, across all our strategies, and certainly um, Dennis alluded to across WBC, we work very closely with the state on specific things, and we have very good staff relationships with those guys. But on the pension side, I think, uh, so I think I'll sort of invoke Glenn Tilton, who's one of our co-chairs on the plan. I think he puts it well, which is, you know, not trying to defer that problem, it's a big problem, but it's also a problem that, you know, as, a, as sort of a regional economic growth strategy, it's hard for like us to tackle that problem. So we say, okay, certainly you gotta be a problem and we need people in Chicago to be saying this is a problem and sort of hope, you know, getting Springfield to hear that. But at the same time, we don't wanna just do nothing. I was like, <laughs> I think he got, he, asked, he got asked this question by a couple of people at this dinner he was talking about. And uh, he said, listen, I, you know, I run a BEM, you know, Midwest chairman of J.P. Morgan, like I run a business here, I get that. I used to run you know, United Airlines, whatever. Um, so, I, so I get it, but like what's the alternative? Do we not have an economic plan? And then he said, you know, I don't think that's the case. So I think we have to kind of continue to work on this with the idea that you know, Springfield, will, they will figure this out. We have to be somewhat optimistic that they're gonna figure this out. Um, so that we are teeing ourselves up, I think, you know, down the road to you know, have that workforce that we need, have, have a strong manufacturing sector, and so on and so forth. And, um, you know, just to tie it to, to kind of how the mayor puts it and how, how I think we drafted it in the plan was, you know, again, along those lines of what can we really do versus, you know, there are certainly other problems that maybe we can't tackle, some of which have been brought up today. Um, the mayor would say, you know, and, and I think we would say on the plan side, you certainly need safe streets, you need stable finances, and you need great schools. And those are things that are sort of more macro issues around that you know, our small plan team probably can't tackle, that we'll certainly vocalize our issues, but we can't tackle. So we kind of say that that's a basis for the plan and we're gonna do things assuming that we can get those things right um, and that other people are working on those things. Yeah. So hopefully that's helpful, but. Yeah, I mean, it's tricky. I mean, there are some issues at the state level that, um, you know, I'll just be honest. I mean, we, we we hand our observations over, we make suggestions, you know, wherever we can. Uh, we try and tweak things on the margins, you know, wherever possible, but, um, you know, that said, Springfield's a pretty weird place, and, you know, what goes on down there sometimes is, you know, just beyond sort of our capabilities, you know, as World Business Chicago, as a nonprofit. Um, you know, now, this is where our board is increasingly important, a larger board and a board that's a lot more involved. Um, they will, outside of the organization, they have their own influences, they control, in some cases, companies that have several thousand employees. Um, so, you know, they'll kind of represent the organization but represent their company, and, and that's a message that gets, sometimes gets taken a little more seriously uh, than the economic developer. Um, and then also, I think it's just, um, you know, using them as testimony, you know? I mean, I was working with the headquarters, you know, um, probably uh, the better part of the end of last year that was looking at Chicago, um, nervous about Chicago, heard all the stories, you know, saw the ratings in terms of bonds and everything else that, you know, that are, that are embarrassments that we deal with. Um, but I was able to get a couple key members on our board who are very successful businessmen, because to a certain extent I'm a paid cheerleader, okay? I mean, I don't like to think of myself that way, but, you know, as an economic developer, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna be as straight as I can, but my job is to bring you here. Um, you know, this is where a couple board members, you know, at dinner, you know, after I do my part of the deal, um, hey, I'm a businessman, I run a company here too, I have your same concerns, I have your same frustrations, but I've also am successful, I'm making money, my employees are happy, you know, it's not all that bad, and, and in fact, if you were here, we're working on some things, maybe you could help kind of, you know, join us, 
you know, that's where bringing the board in to kind of is really critical, you know, as opposed to just purely a staff sort of pitch. So, um, yeah, it's frustrating, no doubt about it. Um, but, you know, again, we have board members that are committed to this economy, think it's a great place to be, have their businesses, and are willing to go out and talk to other businessmen and businesswomen, you know, and carry that message for us. So, it's, you know, it's about the best I've got right now. <laughs> Thanks very much. Sure. Uh, thanks so much for uh, bringing the plan out to us. And uh, sounds like there's a lot more to talk about, so we'll probably have you back soon. Yeah, I would love appreciate to. It. love to. Again, appreciate the opportunity. So can I have a big round of applause for Dennis Vicarelli and Eric Olson from World Business Chicago. Gentlemen, thanks so much for coming out. Please fill out your surveys, and don't forget uh, next month's uh, luncheon program, CRE Technology. Thanks again, guys. <laughs>